Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. We are recording a day after our our regularly scheduled episode, which is on Wednesday, and we are coming right back a day later to do another episode because of what happened yesterday, what actually started while we were recording yesterday's podcast. I don't know exactly when it was. I feel like, uh, you know, midway through the podcast, I think it's, I actually mentioned it while we were recording. I noticed that, uh, you know, noticed some news alerts or or kind of uh, some stuff happening on Twitter, that there was something going on at the Capitol, some sort of, uh, I don't know what to call it based on what we knew at that point. It didn't, it didn't really look then like much more than, you know, some protesters kind of knocking down a barricade and maybe going inside a perimeter or something like that. We didn't know quite the uh, quite how far it would go, quite the totality of the of of the thing. Uh, you know as well as we do, and uh, you may well know you you likely will know more by the time you hear this than we do right now. But obviously, something very dramatic happened yesterday on Capitol Hill. Something that none of us have ever seen before. Something that has not happened uh, since eighteen fourteen, during the War of eighteen twelve, when the British Army uh, stormed the Capitol and burned it down. Uh, or I can't remember, they put in the White House, Dan, but I'm not sure, you know, it wasn't great. Um, and that's the last time that this happened. And, uh, you know, I don't remember exactly, I feel it was maybe 15 years ago or so, uh, a gunman kind of rushed into the Capitol and shot a few people. I think he shot, um, I think he actually shot and killed one Capitol police officer. I'm a little fuzzy on... Um, on the details, for some reason, I associate it with Tom DeLay. Maybe the guy went towards Tom DeLay's office. I can't remember. So, you know, we've had incidents at the at the at the Capitol, but it's one thing for kind of like a lone crazy person to kind of rush in and start shooting people, versus this was during one of the core constitutional functions of the of the congress something that's written into the constitution and something that is a a a core constituent element of the of the peaceful transfer of power in this country uh this was not random people this was a an insurrectionist mob that was that was whipped up and directed by the president of the united states to head over to the capitol and basically force his installation as president for another term this isn't hyperbole. This is exactly what happened. Uh, you've probably seen uh, references to things he said and his son said and his lawyer said at this rally yesterday where they said, let's head over there. Let's fight. And uh, as I think we will find out more about over the next, you know, the next days and weeks, th- the idea 
that these people were going to storm the Capitol, and depending on how what euphemisms people wanted to use, either convince or persuade or force at gunpoint to force the Congress to overturn the election. This is something these people have been talking about for weeks on Parlor and all the places they hang out on, you know, 8chan and I guess they got kicked off. You know, this this stuff doesn't really exist in the same way on Reddit anymore. But this has been out there. This is, you know, this is what they've been talking about. And, and, and one thing that was clear yesterday, um, even from the immediate uh, contemporaneous reporting of, you know, kind of people reporter tv reporters uh you know print print and internet reporters with 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 iphones going up and talking to people that even even if and i'm pretty sure that that this is the case there's a core of people who are planning to do this <clears throat> but it's pretty clear that what sparked it is at a certain point it starts circulating through the crowd that Mike Pence did not do this thing that he was never going to be able to do and and did not try to do. But these people have been pumped up on this idea that Mike Pence was basically going to overrule the election and say this was, uh, this was a steal. I, as vice president, award the presidency to Donald Trump. And when they found out that he had, in essence, not even tried, I mean, it's not something he can do. Uh, they saw red and, you know, this was the last chance to get justice for, for the big man and they stormed the Capitol building. And we know that, uh, at least four people died in this overall process. There's one woman who was one of the protesters who was shot by a Capitol police officer and died yesterday in a hospital. And we don't know... I think we're still vague on the, you know, precisely what happened there. She was part of a group that was trying to storm one of the kind of entrance ways to the to an entrance way towards the, you know, towards the app actual uh, house chamber and like the adjoining, you know, kind of offices that are immediately off the house chamber. And it's not clear to me whether. Uh, one of the Capitol Police officers just finally opened fire because, you know, a little behind him are not not just members of Congress, the entire line of succession of the government or whether it's a scuffle and a gun went off. I don't I don't you know, I don't think we know. I'm not sure that it. Um, we obviously need to find out. Uh, this is one reason that, that you don't that you don't violently try to take over a, a, a government building where all the core people in government are, are, are doing something because you've got security and, and you're trying to force your way in. That's a very dangerous situation. Um, this woman did not deserve to die. It is, it is a terrible thing for her family and everybody involved that she died, but she was trying to assault this building with all these other people. Uh, we have, and, and I'm going to ask my colleagues in a moment if we've heard any more details about this. We know three other people died, and it's been phrased as they died in medical emergencies. And it's not quite clear to me whether that was they died 
died of injuries that they sustained or whether people had like heart attacks, basically, you know, kind of or fell or something like this. In any case, it's a very, it's a very terrible thing that happened to this country yesterday. Uh, the president did it. In theory, he put out a statement overnight insisting the election was still stolen, but he's going to do a peaceful transfer. We haven't seen him say that. Got my doubts whether that's actually him. Uh, but this is something that's going to be a big event in American history as long as any of us listening or participating in this episode of this podcast are going to be alive. And it is... I think it is a discrediting inflection point for Trumpism. I don't think Trumpism is over by any stretch of the imagination. But I think this will and certainly should hang over the people who were involved in this. And I don't mean like these crazies who you actually see on the videos. I mean people like Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz. Any one person, like the President of the United States, can be violent and crazy and unfit to be president. He can only sustain that if he has supporters in the country and in the Congress, and, and that's them. Uh, let me remind you, before we get started, we're looking at another dark winter, dark, frigid winter. I mean... <laughs> In more ways in in more ways than one, with ninety nine percent chance of crushing depression and Zoom fatigue, warm up the winter blues with Grady's reusable all in one cold brew kit. With thirty six servings per bag, our velvety smooth coffee concentrate is brewed strong for a caffeine kick. You can enjoy hot or iced. Just add water. Ready to give it a swirl. Get twenty five percent off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. Again, that's Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. So I'm going to turn it over to my uh, co-hosts, David and Kate. Um, So, David, what are we we talking about? You know, I was just kind of reminded before we came on the air that I think tomorrow is the 10-year anniversary of the Gabby Giffords shooting in Tucson, Arizona. Sounds Uh, right. You know, the, the attempted assassination. And... It's kind of heartbreaking to see her tweet yesterday, you know, her concern for Mark Kelly, her husband, who's a you know, newly sworn in and elected senator from Arizona. And just the thought of the, you know, how close we got to another devastating situation like that. Um, you know, there was a federal judge killed in that in that shooting. Gabrielle Giffords obviously gravely wounded and basically forever, you know, changed by that uh, incident. Um, Kate, I guess maybe we can start with you. You know, we had... I guess we talked yesterday on the episode of Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, these people who are leading the objections to the Electoral College counting, sort of not being able to run away from it in their political careers. And that was before we had, you know, violence and and death on Capitol Hill. We had Josh Hawley raising a fist to protesters or, you know, rioters. pumping to them, like, like, let's do it. Yeah, like not. Do we know how long before things spun out of control that was yeah i don't know exactly when the photo was taken but definitely before i mean he was right outside the Capitol, right yeah i mean it seems like yeah it couldn't have been that long because at the time from when they 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 progress from the speech area to the Capitol to when things got out of hand was 
it's Three. a pretty short yeah. window of time. Let me before we get let me let me ask Kate, what do we know about the three other people who died? Do we know anything beyond no. just these vague references to medical emergencies? No, that's all. There was one there was one kind of unconfirmed report I saw going around on Twitter and I hesitate to even mention it, but something involving a taser, maybe someone accidentally tasered themselves. I don't know if this was someone in the in the mob, you know, group or if it was, you know, I guess if it were an officer or an official, we probably would have known yeah, I that feel like we someone would, in that yeah, position. Yeah. Uh, had died, but that's that's one report that's kind of been going out there. But I don't think we really know anything about the other situations. And like you say, they they were described as kind of unrelated medical emergencies. So it's it, it really could be it, kind it, of anything. Yeah, it is weird because I mean, it's a big place and it's kind of a chaotic situation. But three three people dying in the capital in a period of a couple that's weird. I mean, that is not like this isn't like you say, oh, New York City you know, X number of people die every day from random causes. It, it something is, it's, it, how could they be unrelated? Right. I and think, I mean, I, yeah. part of this, the reason that we have such a vacuum of information here is that, you know, the police are saying very little right now. And in some ways it's, it's what you expect after something like this. But, you know, we only found out about that four people total had died late last night and the person who told us was the chief of the metro pd so not even the capitol police who are the ones you know who were kind of the first line of defense as it were um, and who were the ones who were kind of overwhelmed and were present for all of it um last night the chief said that he wasn't going to release more details until all the medical examiner had seen all the bodies and you know kind of gave an official autopsy and cause of death um but like you said, DT, um, we probably would have heard if they were officers because they have, uh, well, not they have, but um, just before you came on the air, Congressman Tim Ryan released some statistics on how many officers had been hurt um, in, the, in the insurrection. And there, he said there are some that are hurt enough that they're hospitalized right now, identified as the cause of those pretty brutal injuries that multiple of them had been hit over the head with lead pipes by the insurrectionists, um, which is a little uh, startling, you know, because I was here for the BLM protests over the summer. And, you know, there's a lot to get into with the police response, and I'm sure, you know, we will in a few minutes. But the idea that people could hit police over the head with lead pipes and that was the response is pretty shocking after I watched people lob water bottles over a fence and then police come out in riot gear. You know, the, the degree to the response in these two things was startlingly different, you know? And to some degree, uh, when we were talking off air, you know, Josh, as you said, in some ways it's a better outcome than if police had, you know, opened fire and a, a ton of people had died. But it's pretty shocking when you kind of think of these people were one set of doors away from pretty much everyone who governs this country and the mildness of the response given that um, compared to the fact that all these riot gear clad police came out to protect the park in front of the gate, in front of the wall, in front of the White House. 
you know, I, I think we've seen a lot of people online being pretty quick to point out how differently these people are treated, this largely white crowd versus the black or at least more diverse crowd of the BLM protests. But it is, you know, as we talk about kind of what we know and what we don't know, that seems to be a pretty glaring factor in all this. It's, it's always a very, it's, it's a, it's a, it's always a very tough thing to think through where you do draw the line because mm-hmm. we, it's not just that, that, uh, you know, left-wing protesters, African-American protesters, it's, or, or even, you know, obviously African-Americans in general, it's, it, it's not just that they're, they're treated differently. That's not a way to do things, right? You should, it, killing someone in a, in, a, in a situation of civil unrest really should be the absolute last thing you do if you are saving other lives, you know, the blah, 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 blah. We, so it is, um, you, you need, you need de-escalatory, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it, look, having dozens of people dead, even if they're doing something totally outrageous and terrible, is not an outcome that we want. If, if, if uh, you know, let's, let's say the three other people were other protesters, blah, 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 blah. Having said that, you simply cannot have a society where there is, you know, violent disruption of, you know, efforts to, to, to break the functioning of the state. You just can't. You can't have that. Um, and exactly how you, you know, exactly how you do that is, 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 is tough. And, and what was, you know, just watching those pictures, you know, I have, we just don't know what happened yesterday. I mean, what comes at, there, there's, I think we need to be a little cautious in how we judge how the Capitol Police handled the situation because for a few things. One is the Capitol Police are not designed for riot control. It's a police force, but it's a certain kind of police force. It's not designed for that. A lot of it is really much more, you know, security you know, just general security. Um, when you have a true national security event in, in Washington, D.C., the Capitol Police only play a, a limited part of that. They are kind of like an inner insulation in the actual, you know, physical areas of, of, of the Capitol. Um, and you see some of these pictures where you have you know, hundreds of people storming these, storming these barricades, and you've got maybe like a dozen Capitol Police officers. Well, unless they want to start shooting, there's not much they can do once you're in that situation. And, and I think that, um, you know, people who, who are involved in law enforcement and all this kind of stuff would say, you know, the way you avoid, you know, letting mobs take over the Capitol versus opening fire and killing dozens of people is you don't let yourself get outnumbered. Certainly not like 20, you know, a hundred to one where you really have no good options. Uh, and so it, what I, um, and again, 
this is not uh, absolving the Capitol Police. I just think we need to wait and kind of understand exactly what happened. Uh, but, it, it, you know, and another thing that was clear is kind of once they got through those outer barricades, there was kind of was nothing. It, it was pretty much then just kind of go into the building. I mean, there were some, you know, some uh, some people there, but not a lot. Um, what occurs to me, and again, this is speculative, but I don't think too speculative based on what we know, that when you really need to control something in, in, in Washington, D.C., you have a lot of federal police involved, federal police in various agency guises, U.S. Marshals, people from the FBI, uh, possibly National Guard. You know, as we learned this summer, Department of Homeland Security had lots of different police you know, groups. Um, you got a lot of different stuff there, but with the exception of the Capitol Police, who 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 uh, work for Congress, and and the D.C. Metro Police, which works for the you know the the D.C. government, all those other people report to the President of the United States. And I have to imagine that there weren't a lot of people kind of jumping forward at the FBI or the U.S. Marshals or something like that, saying, "Hey." heard this pro-Trump group is coming to town. We got to really lock things down because they may get out of hand. Kind of speaks for itself. Right. I mean, that's a huge part of it is that there should never have been a situation where this group was one door away from members of Congress. And just, you know, comparing with my experience at the protest, it's just there was never any risk that, you know, the BLM protesters would have gotten near anything because of the preparation you know it's like there were gates put up and then there were line multiple lines of police just kind of making sure that it never even got to that point and the fact that that wasn't present yesterday is just such a clear sign you know i just i don't buy the kind of you know cap they didn't know it was coming they you know they knew they knew our intelligence guys are all over these kind of right-wing forums where the people make these plans like you know we have here in dc have known that this was coming for days you know and i don't really you know frequent the right-wing swamps of the internet it wasn't a secret which is means that I think you're completely right, Josh. I mean, the primary thing is that this is a top-down issue, which is why were the BLM protests prepared for so rigorously, whereas they knew this was coming to the extent that some hotels in downtown DC closed rather than, you know, play a party to it. They knew it was coming and there was no preparation at all. And I think you're probably right, Josh, that, you know, a big part of this came because this is a pro-Trump group and the president is absolutely not going to lift a finger to do anything about it. And, you know, he's going to tell them that he loves them instead. But that is such maybe the scariest part of all of this, that Trump's affection for these people so far outweighs the security concern of having a mob take over the seat of our government for the world to see. How how did that calculus play out? And it's just the kind of thing where you look back at, you know, images and you see, you know, a man with his a fistful of zip ties and you, you know, it, it hits home to you that these people have a very visceral hatred, especially for certain members of Congress. And it just, you know, it still just gives me absolute chills to think of what would have happened if they had 
been a little faster, a little more successful in breaching the building and, you know, had gotten there before Nancy Pelosi was spirited away or before AOC was in lockdown. That's just a scary situation. Um, and I think that part of it is still reverberating for me so much, which is what, you know, what a close brush it was. And then, so you're kind of like contending with that and just be feeling scared as, you know, like an American. And then it's also the second wave of this, which is there's so little likelihood that there's going to be accountability for this. You know, we even saw from the, um, the electoral college process last night that, you know, any Aaron Sorkin-esque belief I had that Republicans were going to be cowed by this and realize that the, what they were doing was really dangerous was just foolish and naive. And all the players who helped stoke this insurrection, you know, with the exception of maybe a handful of senators who decided to back off, you know, they went through with it. Josh Hawley went through with it. Ted Cruz went through with it. Well, it was a ton also, of House Republicans did. It was also did. noticeable with Hawley that he tried to rebrand it. Hey, you know, we do, we don't resort to violence in this country. He basically, you know, he basically made this argument like I was doing, you know, breaking the law in an orderly way, calling for votes. <laughs> That's not how we do it. You know, like, give me a fucking break, man. I mean, like, like the nerve of you, like that, you, that you were. You know, that you stand, that this is, you know, that's bad. What I, you know, I. Do you guys think there, there will be any political price for Hawley or Cruz or other, you know, 2024 Republicans who are trying to use this charade as like a springboard for their own political careers? Because, I mean, that photo is pretty damning of Hawley with the, the fist raise, you know, the fist pumping um, literally before, you know, violence broke out. But we sort of have short collective memories as a country too. And, you know, I don't think this episode will be forgotten, like you say, Josh, but in a few years, do you think, is it going to stain his, I don't know, his political career? Is it going to be an, a roadblock toward, you know, towards any higher ambitions he has, you think? I mean, I know I said just yesterday that I thought it might, but I don't know, I've grown up a lot in the past 24 hours, I guess, because we just watched an insurrectionist mob try to overthrow our our government and I have pretty much zero faith that there's going to be any repercussion for anyone involved, including the president. Um, you know, I think <laughs> anonymously sourced articles that cabinet secretaries are considering invoking the 25th, but haven't presented it to Mike Pence yet. That might be pretty much the furthest that we get. Um, we already have Congress. You know, it's supposed to go on recess after today, and maybe that'll change. I know Schumer put out a statement saying that Mike Pence must invoke the 25th, and absent that, we must begin uh, impeachment proceedings. But I haven't really seen definitive action either way, and we we're hours after we watched people who came into the Capitol with the intent to destroy things and possibly people. So I don't know. <laughs> it makes it a little hard for me to believe that four years from now, these men will pay the price. You know, there, the one thing... Uh when you were mentioning about, you know, how close they got actually to maybe capturing key members of Congress. Um, and those zip ties are pretty telling just for mm -hmm. people who don't know, those are handcuffs basically kind of, uh, uh, not DIY, but you know, kind of an easily it, it, way of handcuffing people. Um, what, what struck me is, you know, there's that now very iconic picture of a couple, I don't even know if what they're Capitol Police or, or whether the U.S. Protective Service, but some people in suits holding guns at, you know, against people who are, and there's a big desk or something pushed up against, 
you know, the door to the into the chamber to the house chamber, and they've got their guns trained chained on people, uh, trained on people, and um, I mean a few. Now we know later those guys got in there. I assume what was happening there is there's a standoff where they're basically saying we are going to shoot if you come in here, and clear and and I assume. They did that until they had gotten all the members of Congress out, and then they kind of, you know, let's kind of, uh, you know, kind of try to de-escalate. Fine, let them run around a little, and 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 then they'll go. Um, but that seems like that was the moment that if they tried to come into the House chamber while the members of the House were there, they were going to shoot them. Um, and I'm glad it didn't come to that, but that is what you, you know, that's what you have to do. You you can't let people literally come in and take take the take the core members of the U.S. government hostage or kill them or whatever. And like you know, I'm sure now they're going to say, oh, you know, it's the people's house. We just wanted to talk. I mean, give me a fucking break. We also don't know how many of these people were armed. I mean, and since they basically just let everybody file out, um, it, it's gonna it may be hard to tell. Now again, going back to what I said before, you know, people are talking about. You know, they let them go out. They helped them down the stairs and all this kind of stuff. Again, I think we need to to wait and see exactly how things transpired. Because, again, if you're outnumbered, if they're in there, it may be the best thing to say, let's just – we're not in a position to arrest all these people right now. Let's end this without more stuff we got their pictures. We can arrest them later. Let's just let's just shut this down. Um, again, not defending it, but you don't want to kill a lot of people. You w- you want to to settle these things down. So I think we just need to uh, wait to hear more before we judge. You know how the Capitol Police handled this. But again, I go back to that thing. That seems to be the point where they were saying we will shoot you right here, and clear and and it sounds like. They didn't go any further. And I think one question is, did you need to do that earlier? Did you need to do that at the front of the building? Say you were not coming into this building. Because again, what are you coming in here for? Let alone the fact that it's illegal. What are you, what are you coming to do? Well, um, yeah. And another part of this that, you know, I saw some people talking about on Twitter, which I think is true, is that there are some things you put up with in D.C., with the understanding that this is our capital. And one of those things is that it is really, really heavily policed and that there are a lot of guys with guns and that you are not allowed to go in certain areas. Um, And that's just, that's the price you pay for living in the nation's capital, something you put up with, kind of under this social agreement that this is what they need to do to keep it safe, so you put up with it. and kind of seeing those defenses be so flimsy today just makes you wonder what is this heavily policed, militarized presence for, if not to protect the lawmakers? You know, what happened? Why is it that you can't, you know, go on some grass in front of important buildings, but these people could waltz into the Capitol? Like, it's such a this big fundamental disconnect that as a DC resident also brings up, you know, I don't, could there have been a better argument for statehood than what we saw yesterday? The fact that the mayor had to beg the governor of Virginia to send in the national guard because 
Trump and co wouldn't act even while we were watching, you know, what we didn't yet know wouldn't be just a, a calamity, you know, we didn't know yet what was going to happen. Um, and the fact that, you know, maybe it did come down to the fact that people, the police who are actually always stationed in DC were, were unprepared, were outnumbered, but we have, there are specific forces that you as a, you know, as a city leader are able to mobilize when something like that happens or when something spirals out of control. And, you know, Mayor Bowser was not able to do that yesterday. You know, and the the army secretary held a press briefing yesterday where he talked about kind of some confusion and some mixed signals when more guard reinforcements were requested. Um, but, you know, that that doesn't really seem like a comfortable answer to what happened to me. Well, do we also... Do we, what what is the state of what we know now on this question? I, I mentioned it a few times on the on the, the these these fragmentary reports a few times in the editor's blog yesterday that the, the actual order came from Mike Pence and and not from the president. And again, like okay, great, it needed to be done. But as far as I can tell, Mike Pence has no no legal or constitutional authority to 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 to, to execute you know to make that order has to come from the president. They seem to go around him, possibly because he refused, um, which, again, I think we need to separate the fact that, you know, Donald Trump needed to be overruled in that case, but you can't, <laughs> it is not good when we have people just refuse, you know, the military, not taking orders from the president, taking them from the vice president. That's, that's, Again, good in this particular case, but that's really, really bad. Yeah, I haven't seen any more definitive reports on exactly how that chain of command happened or didn't, you know, how it broke down. But um, certainly one of the big questions we're still trying to get to the bottom of. But maybe in the just last couple of minutes we have, you know, we we have two two more weeks of the Trump presidency. We have like you said, Kate, some murmurs of the 25th Amendment. We have calls for impeachment once again. Uh, Congress has skipped town, so doesn't really seem like that's going to happen. What do you expect over the next two weeks? I mean, are we should we brace for another confrontation on Inauguration Day? Should we, you know, I don't know, two weeks feels like a long... After yesterday, two weeks feels like a long time, right? I mean, yesterday felt like a week in itself. And I'm um, just wondering you know, what you're expecting over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, the inauguration question is one that has been kind of, you know, niggling at the back of my brain since this happened. And to me, the obvious answer seems to be, why not just make it all virtual? I mean, at this point, it's going to be an almost like non-existent crowd to begin with due to COVID. Um, and I get that that might not happen because I imagine the incoming administration won't want to look cowed by what happened yesterday. But these people are looking for a forum. They're looking for attention. They're looking to fight. They're looking to exercise some of their anger. Um, and yesterday they were shockingly successful. They breached the Capitol. You know, I had, um, we had Trump people streaming by our apartment last night and the uniform reaction from them was giddiness, joy. You know, they were showing each other photos on their phone and waving their flags. I mean, they had this this huge success yesterday. You know, Trump told them this is a day you'll never forget. And that's true. Um, and I 
think the biggest threat now is how emboldened they probably are and how the inauguration is a natural next place for them to show up and to try to disrupt. And, um, you know, the, the scarier you think about it, the more you realize, you know, they're also aware that Joe Biden will be there. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the Biden transition will do, but if it was up to me, I would probably just take away that platform for them. You know, fine, come to D.C. and protest if you want, but there's not going to be an inauguration for you to disrupt or try to crash or um, try to hurt people at. Because to me, uh, you know, these next two weeks are what we as a democracy have to hold on through and hope we don't see anything like this again. And um, I assume that these kind of pro-Trump insurrectionists have to work at some point. So it seems to me that they can't stay here the whole time. Um, and the inauguration would just seem like the natural next place for them to do this. So that's what I'm kind of worried about. I know Bowser has put the city under a state of emergency until the day after the inauguration. Um, so I'm wondering if we'll see kind of an intense, uh, an escalated militarization around the city to begin with. Um, but yeah, that, that just seems to me to be the big kind of looming date on the calendar now. Is the curfew still in place or is that just a one just night, yesterday. one night sort of thing? Well, what what gotcha. goes for 14 days then? I thought, that, I thought it was extended or that it's just a more general oh, state of emergency. Oh, unless I missed or... the curfew extension, all I saw was that I think she just put the city under a state of emergency, which like unlocks certain powers for her, I think. Right, right, right. Yeah, police, law enforcement kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, and there's also the risk, you know, there were other skirmishes in state houses mm -hmm. and governor's mansions across the country too, right? Kind of, in a way, that seems like the natural extension of this too, that the D.C., you know, police and security presence will probably be escalated after yesterday, but, you know, the governor's mansion in, you know, uh, I think it was Olympia and Washington had protesters kind of get on the grounds, a couple other places. Yeah, and Inslee um, was home when that happened, I think. And so that seems like, you know, like you say, Kate, the uh, protesters, or, you know, the insurrectionists will have to go home at some point, And maybe the natural place is, is at their own state houses and seats of government on the local level. But, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, th this is why I think it is... It is absolutely essential. They need to arrest as many people, as many of these people as possible before we get to the inauguration. They need to start doing it today. And they can do it. I mean, these people were giving their names. They're on camera. You know, I mean, that's the benefit of not wearing ma of an anti-mask yeah, crew. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. There. I mean, they know who they are. And it's not just that you want to kind of um, get them off the street. You, although that is ob an, uh, an obvious additional benefit, you need to make clear this is against the law. And again, breaking into the Capitol, man, it's not just simple trespass. They're like, I mean, if you wanted to, I'm not saying you should, you should, you know, stack every conceivable thing. But if you wanted to, I have little doubt you could, you could get, you could send people to prison for decades mm -hmm. for what happened yesterday. All sorts of laws get get our our. Um, people took federal property well, too, right? Federal there was property. the one guy who I mean, was look, in... that woman was killed. They're in the commission of a felony, and one and someone was killed. The fact that it's one of them legally doesn't matter. The the the, the legal consequences of this are potentially vast, and if you don't arrest people. The people who did it and the whole society draw the obvious conclusion: it's not a big deal. It's no harm, no foul. And 
what we saw yesterday um, flows immediately from, you know, the Bundy standoffs out West that, you know, our readers know and, you know, our, our readers know more than others. The earlier stuff, the more recent stuff, you know, kind of uh, got more attention. But, uh, you know, what happened to them? Nothing. They got arrested, and then I think there was like a hung jury, and and uh, you know they didn't really pay any financial penalties. I think they got some of their grazing. I mean, you know, it's all just or or you know, what about the people who did something pretty similar in Michigan just a few months ago? And and we know that the FBI broke up that group that was actually going to kidnap the governor, but that was pretty narrow, you know, pretty narrow to them. Uh, we collectively lose sight of the fact that we don't just indict people and prosecute people because they should be individually punished. It is a way for society to communicate with itself about what is and what is not acceptable. And if you don't say it, people listen to what you say. It's really as simple as that. And when you were asking, David, you know, will this, you know, will this, uh, hurt the Josh Hawley's and the Ted Cruz's over time, I suspect it will just in the sense of, I'm not saying kind of like they're going to lose reelection and stuff, but I think that, you know, one of them runs for president. I think this is going to, their, their connection to this is going to be damaging from, for them. But to, you know, to state the obvious, the future is not something that is that is there to be predicted, like we're clairvoyant. The future is something we write collectively. And so it is really up to us to, I, I did this post yesterday, do everything we can to write these people out of public life because they have done things that is unaccept- that are unacceptable in a democratic society. And the fact that, uh, at least by one way of measuring it, you know, 45 or so of the, 45% or so of the electorate just voted for Donald Trump. That's, that's going to be a, uh, you know, it's a tough challenge to kind of write that political, uh, faction out of, uh, out of the process. But again, if you don't try, you are telling the society, you are telling us collectively that it's really not that big a deal. And so it is really incumbent on the people who recognize this for something as bad as it is to basically say, I, in my civic capacity, in my advocacy, am going to dedicate myself to everybody who is involved in this is no longer, I will not treat them as, as sort of like legitimate players in our, in our democratic process. Because again, if you don't, you tell the message that it does not matter. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Well, maybe we should leave it there. Um, it's you know it's it that that's really the thing it, it's uh we 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 sometimes think that you know the future is sort of like you know you pick up a book and you read a few chapters and like hey can you tell it's gonna end well it's not you know it's a cliche but it's not written 
it is it is a it is an unknown that uh, that is up to us. It's as simple as that. So yeah, I think we can we can uh, we've said at least what there is to say for uh, for where we are as of as of uh, you know what 18 hours after this stuff unfolded. Um, let me remind everybody uh, this podcast is brought to you by Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. You can go to Grady'sColdBrew.com, uh, get 25% off your first order with the promo code TPM. And uh, that's it, I think. All right. We'll see you next All time. Right. See you. Later, folks. All right. Bye, guys.